Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is episode number 212. I'm Delane Vaughn. I'm a board certified family practice doctor, a former emergency room nurse, a veteran healthcare provider, and the host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are looking to hold on to their longevity, their vitality, and their vigor. They're not ready to let that go. It's for women who know that life is a gift and they're not ready to start the downward spiral of disease. This podcast is for badass women who do a lot of hard things in life, but can't seem to master chocolate cake. If that is you, let's talk. Today, we are gonna talk about how to change our behaviors. We are gonna talk about functional ways that we can alter the things that we think and feel and the way that it moves through our brains so that we can learn to stop doing behaviors that are keeping us stuck and sick. We're going to implement behaviors that lead to you living your naturally healthy life. It's important to realize how the brain works so that we can make some changes and do some other things. We have to gain awareness of where to place our energy and our resources in order for this to happen. So lots of times women believe this is almost serendipitous. Like, I don't know. I just like the chocolate cakes or the chocolate cupcakes. I just want them. They're so good. This makes tons of sense that we expect that same serendipity to create the reason that we don't want to eat the chocolate cakes or or the chocolate cupcakes or do these things. Recognize nobody's put any effort into not, or nobody's putting any effort into desiring chocolate cupcakes. We all know that we want them. They just show up, we love them. It's just there loud and proud. We don't understand where that desire comes from. And so we don't understand how to switch to the desire for salmon and salad in the same, we're expecting it in the same serendipitous way. It's just not the way it works. Today, we're gonna talk about how and why. Before we get started, I want to remind you, if you are on medications for your type two diabetes, please be careful making these dietary changes. These meds have been started because the way you previously ate, if you change the way you eat and start eating differently, you're going to need to change those medications as well. You're going to need to get a clear line of communication with your physician open or your primary care provider, whoever's giving you these meds. You're going to need to call their office and find out how they want you to share your blood sugar logs so that they can start to give you guidance on how to come down and off of those medications. If you don't, you can get quite sick, like hospitalization sick, ER visit sick. Um, so you really need to be careful and have that clear line of communication open with your primary care provider. So please be careful. I also want to remind everybody, stay connected with me, rate the podcast for one thing, like that connects other people with the podcast. If you're finding benefit from the podcast, the more people that rate it and review the podcast, the more the podcast, podcast, um, player algorithms will put the podcast in front of others. So if you're finding benefit from this podcast, please rate the podcast, please review the podcast so that others get connected to it also. Follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, Delane MD on both places. There's also a Facebook group, the Reversing Diabetes, it's Delane MD Reversing Diabetes group. Ask to join it, bunch of really helpful souls in that group. Um, So, join in there. Great conversation. It's a great group. It's a really fun time. Lastly, there is going to be a webinar in September. Following me in these social media um, spaces is going to get you the details on that webinar that will be held in September. Lastly, I am offering diabetes reversal assessment calls. If you're a woman with type 2 diabetes and you're worried and you're frustrated and you're confused about why you can't seem to fix it, there is help. 
An assessment call is a 45-minute call where you and I will discuss your specific obstacles to reversing your type 2 diabetes. By the end of the call, you're going to know your biggest obstacles and why you haven't been able to overcome it. If you're interested, we can talk more about working together in my program and how you can get the support that you need on your journey to reverse your type 2 diabetes. If that's something you're interested in, you can email me, delane at delanemd.com, or you can go to my Calendly. It's www.calendly.com forward slash delanemd, and that will get you to my schedule, and you can just schedule it real easy. So let's dive in. I've been coaching a lot of women recently over behavior changes. Behaviors like um, I want to eat the things or behaviors like I don't want to do the exercise. Sometimes it's things like I can't seem to get back into my routine. Sometimes it's um, I just have so much judgment over what I'm doing that I can't seem to implement the change. There's tons of different ways that we struggle, that women struggle with making these behavioral changes. When I ask them, why are you struggling with these things? Typically the responses I get is, I always want the ice cream. Like it's always there. Like it, it always shows up. It's fabulous. I love it. It's so good. Or if I ask them, you know, why are you struggling to exercise? I get reasons like I'm always too tired to exercise. I'm too tired in the morning. I'm too tired after work. I'm always not wanting to do the exercise. It's never convenient. Sometimes I get other reasons like um, the thing that I like to do isn't available to me. Like if you like to snow ski, it's August and that's not available to most people in the Northern hemisphere at this point. If you like to paddleboard, I like to paddleboard, right? like, oh, it's winter and paddleboarding isn't available to me. So there's a lot of different reasons. And for me, in my brain, I'm like, these are the reasons that we are trading the health, the longevity, the vitality, the vigor that we want. Because in the moment, these reasons seem very, very compelling. I like the ice cream. I always want it. Seems very compelling in the moment. I'm just too tired. <laughs> Seems really compelling at five o'clock in the morning. Okay. So this is what we're diving into today. And these responses that I get, these reasons why that I get, there's an undertone of an expectation of how these things should be occurring. This undertone may not be clearly communicated, but if you dig into it, it sounds like, why can't I want the salad in the same way I want the ice cream? It really shouldn't be this hard, right? Or why don't I just want to wake up in the morning? It should be easier. These thoughts seem really innocent, but they're really based on seeing others do things and wondering why it's easy for them and it's not easy for me. Things like it's easy for everyone else or why me? It should be easier for me. These thoughts keep us stuck. And I want to show you today why this thought is, why these thoughts, this, this line of thought, this undertone is just not true. We're going to unpack these types of thoughts today, and we're going to look at functional ways to change them. With this practice of changing or using new thoughts, it becomes easier and easier and more automatic to use the new thoughts. Okay. So why would we want to change these thoughts? Like, why is that even an important thing for us to talk about today? These thoughts are what's keeping you stuck and sick. And they're not even true. 
There's nothing different about anybody else's brain, their biology, their neurology. There is nothing different. Our brains run the same way. When we tell ourselves that something is different or broken about me, we become disempowered to change it. People will hear me give my experiences as an example, right? I use that a lot and I do it to show you what's possible. I don't do it to gloat or boast. I do it to show how I'm exposed to all these things that we all are exposed to in the modern world and it's possible to do it some other way. I certainly do not do it to create evidence in anybody's head that there's something special about me, okay? So I want you to hear me. If you've been shopping for shoes or daydreaming about your bomb outfit tomorrow, I want you to come back to me. I want you to hear me right now. I want the chocolate cake too. I want the ice cream too. I want the warm soft bread with butter at the restaurant also. At 4 a.m., I want to stay in bed when my alarm goes off. I don't want to go for the workout. I want to stop my workout midway through. I just don't want to finish it. I'm like, oh, anything but this. I want to sit on the couch and watch TV just like everybody else. I want to do all of those things too. My brain is entirely wired the same way that yours is. We all want to do this. And this is the thing that's the same about all of us because all of our brains are motivated by the same triad of drives. We are driven by three things. We are driven to seek out comfort or pleasure. We are driven to avoid pain and we are driven to expend the least amount of energy possible. And this motivational triad is a hardwiring in all the human brains, all the human brains, all the chimpanzee brains, all the horse brains, all the dog brains, all the reptilian brains, all the brains are driven this way. Because this triad 10,000 years ago kept us safe, it kept us alive, it helped us propagate ourselves as a species 10,000 years ago. In fact, 10,000 years ago, it look, took a lot of brain negotiation to navigate this triad. Being in the cave, I'm really safe here. I'm really comfortable here. There's no danger lurking here, but there is everywhere else. Do I really need to go out and procure food right now? Do I need to hunt and gather right now? Is now the time that I really need to go look for food? This is how it worked 10,000 years ago. We had to expend energy to go get energy. And so you really had to weigh the pros and the cons very actively for the situation we were in to decide whether we were going to go against this motivational triad. This day and age in our modern society, we can fulfill all of the components of the motivational triad from our couch. We can eat Twinkies, which is a form of pleasure, like we release neurochemistry that feels good in our brain when we eat Twinkies. We can do it comfortably from our couch, avoiding pain. And we can do it just downstairs from where we slept last night, thereby expending the least amount of energy possible. We can do this every damn day of our lives, ladies. Every day, all day long. Our brains have not developed a way to override this hardwire reflexive way that, are, that we want to do things. Okay, so realizing where the thought, I always want the ice cream, where the desire, ice cream's so tasty, where it's coming from. Realizing where the expectations are coming from, it should be easier. That's like expending the least amount of energy possible, right? When we're able to have this realization, it gives us an opportunity to change it. 
it's not suddenly fallen in our laps in some way that we don't control. <laughs> Realizing there's another option, this is what leads to behavioral changes, okay? So when we think this is just the way I am, or it's so hard, it's just not meant for me, we are never gonna see another option or a way out. So today we're gonna learn how to do it differently. I coach women on this every single day. I had a client this week who was talking about ice cream. She really, really believed that ice cream was the problem. She could not see that her thoughts about ice cream is what led to the desire for the ice cream, not the ice cream. This lack of understanding that the thought was the issue led her to want to find all sorts of new things, new kitchen gadgets to cook food that she thought would be tastier. Somehow she would like the food, want that food more than ice cream. She um, wanted to find a new shake, like a new protein shake, like, oh, if I could have this protein shake, it would be healthier than the ice cream. And maybe then I wouldn't want the ice cream. And she also thought about, like, I'm going to look for a different way to drive everywhere in town because then I don't have to go to the ice cream shop and then I won't want the ice cream. All of this energy that she was putting into these other things were misplaced resources. It was arguing with the brain. It was like totally gaslighting your brain. Like something I'm going to do is going to make you not want ice cream. Like that's never going to be a reality, right? It's trying to talk ourselves into liking something more than we like the ice cream. It's never going to happen with the current biology and neurochemistry of the brain. It's just what we have to work with. So arguing with it isn't going to help. Okay. You can think of all those people, like lots of times we'll be like, but some people don't like ice cream. And I agree with you, those people are weird. I don't know what's wrong with them. You can dream about how easy their lives must be and how good they have it. I will guarantee you they have some other issue. They either like chips and nachos more. They maybe like gambling too much. Maybe they like drinking too much. I will guarantee you, because this is just the way the human brains work. Maybe they overwork too much. There is something they are doing that they struggle with too, but your brain, of course, won't see that. Your brain only sees how easy they have it. But what I want to offer you is you are wasting time thinking about it because that is not the brain you have to work with. Any time you spend ruminating that will always be wasted. So let's talk about how to deal with what you have right now. Exercise example is the same thing. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, I'm too tired to exercise. That's what they will say when I ask, why are you not doing it? I'm too tired. I'm too tired in the morning. I'm too tired in the evening. So how do we exercise when we're too tired after work and we're too tired before work and we're too tired after retirement? We're too tired to do the exercise. Many people have this issue. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with the issue of my biggest obstacle is that I just don't like to do it. How do I fix that if I just don't like to do it? Or the exercise I enjoy to do is, is it unavailable to me? Maybe it's too hot outside. I want you to see because of the motivational triad, you are never going to be drawn to expending the extra energy more than you're drawn to conserving the energy. Never, ever. In very rare occasions, you're going to want the exercise more than you're not going to want to exercise. And it's not going to be because expending the energy is so much more fun in that situation. It's going to be because you have a belief about how much fun it is. This is a great example that I use all the time or that I think of in myself is climbing mountains. When I'm in Colorado, I'm down. I'm down to get up at 4 a.m. Let's go climb. Let's do this. 
in Kansas in the heat, 4 a.m. on a Wednesday, I'm not down for it. It has nothing to do with 4 a.m. It has to do with what I believe about being in the mountains, what I believe about the experience. Because there's lots of people in the mountains that don't think 4 a.m. climb is that much fun. The climb is the same. The thoughts that are driving me are different from somebody else's thoughts. It's the only difference. Okay. So when we see that we are postponing making these changes because we're waiting for our brain to serendipitously want them the same way that we want to not do them, then we realize that that is where we need to be spending our energy. We don't need to be like, oh, I wish I was one of those people who love to get up at 4 a.m. and exercise. There's nobody that loves to get up at 4 a.m. and exercise. All of the brains will want to stay in bed. Yes, some are far more practiced at getting up at 4 a.m. Mine is one of them. I've been doing that for a very long time. It's not a lot. There's not a huge activation energy for me to get up in the morning most mornings. Like just happens, okay? But if you are waiting for the time that there is no resistance to get out of bed, that you, if you are waiting for the time where you want to get out of bed as much as you don't want to get out of bed, where you want to get out of bed as much as you want to stay in bed, if you're waiting for those to be equal or you want to get out of bed more, it's never going to happen. Because our brain is hardwired by the motivational triad to not expend energy. So what do we do about it? We have to start using our brains to serve our goals and stop allowing our brains to be the obstacle. So this is a strategy in psychology that's called top-down versus bottom-up regulation. Top-down, right top-down. In our brain, if you're listening on the podcast and you're not watching me on YouTube, you're seeing me put my head, my hands above my head and move them towards my neck. Top down regulation versus bottom up, which is the opposite of that movement. Okay. Top down regulation is driven by our prefrontal cortex. Okay. Our prefrontal cortex is the part of our brain that takes the pros and the cons and it weighs out the benefits that we are looking for and it makes decisions based on those things. Now our bottom up regulation is driven by the primitive brain. The primitive brain is where the motivational triad lives. It's not the only thing that lives there. It's also where we feel, where we have our emotions coming up or our like interpretations of our experiences, not is that thing hot or cold? That's not necessarily what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what am I feeling in this moment? I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling fearful. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling excited. All of that is a bottom up regulation. And sometimes we have to pay attention to that. But when we can't only pay attention to that, we can't only let the motivational triad drive us, right? And again, it's not that the only thing that's down and or running that bottom up is the motivational triad. But when it comes to making these decisions about what we want to eat and why I can't just want the salmon and the salad more than the chocolate cake, that is a motivational triad issue. Okay. So if we look at this um, top down regulation and we look at the prefrontal cortex, and we recognize that it's a way that we've developed to evaluate pros and cons of our actions and the things that we're doing. When we evaluate our actions and start making decisions 
that are not entirely based on that motivational triad and our desires, whenever we do that in life, and we do it all the time, just maybe not with our food, but I, I'm going to give you examples where you do it all the time. When we make decisions that go against our desires, it's always because we're using that prefrontal cortex. We're using that top-down regulation, okay? So every time you wake up in the morning and you go to work, even though you want to stay in bed, you make the decision based on your future goals of getting a paycheck, that is top-down regulation. Every time you meet a deadline at work, instead of watching more YouTube videos or TikTok videos or reels on Instagram, every time that you meet that deadline, instead of engaging in this instant gratification, that is a top-down regulation. Every time we pray a freaking bill, right? Every time I pay the mortgage, instead of going on a shopping spree because I wanna keep the house and not live under a bridge with my great new shoes, every time we do this, it's a top-down regulation. It's top-down behavioral control. We override the motivational triad and the primitive brain and make a decision based on long-term goals. Sometimes we really do need the bottom-up regulation. We need to feel what's happening in our lives and our environment. This feeling allows us to align with our authenticity, okay? So the feeling of sadness or guilt or fear, like if you feel guilty after eating the chocolate cake, the reason that is, is because authentically you want to be healthy and you know that that chocolate cake is an obstacle, has moved in the way of that. And now suddenly you realize that that wasn't aligned with what you want long-term and you feel guilty about it. So sometimes these bottom-up experiences are relevant and they give us information about what aligns in our lives and what's happening around us. But what unlines in our lives does not mean staying in bed, not doing the workout, spending the mortgage money on clothes. It doesn't mean eating the ice cream. It doesn't mean any of those things. That's not aligning with our bigger goals. When we practice using the top-down control in these areas, like in the areas of paying our bills or going to work or meeting deadlines, but we're not doing it. Recognize that we do that all the time. When we do it, we reach our long-term goals we're not doing it in regards to what we eat in our exercising patterns. So whenever I describe this, like placing, how do we start to guide this top-down regulation? A lot of times I will talk about a dog running a fence line. So if you think, if you're watching me on YouTube and you probably hear my dogs on a regular basis because they're always shaking and itching and doing all these things that I feel like are very distracting. I hope they're not for you, but they are for me. Um, when you think of a dog running a fence line, a dog gets into a new yard and it wants to go to the limit, the boundary, and so it runs this fence line. And initially, maybe the grass in the yard goes right up to the fence. But as the dog runs the fence line, the grass gets padded down. And suddenly, you know, there's maybe after time, there's no grass and there's just dirt. And then the dirt even gets worn down. And suddenly there's a rut there all along that fence line because the dog mindlessly runs the fence line. It doesn't think about it. Maybe first when it got in the yard, it thought about it, it sniffed around and like saw all the new things. But outside of that, after a while, it just runs the fence line. A tree can fall or a big rock, a boulder can get in the way of that fence line and it can block, it can become an obstacle for running that fence line. And the dog will awkwardly sniff its way around and work its way around the obstacle. And it will find a new path and it will wear that down the same way it did the original path. And suddenly the dog will work around it very smoothly and very easily. 
But if that obstacle is removed, the dog will go back to the original fence line, the original path that it ran. This is important to see because a lot of times women will come to me and they'll be like, listen, I made the changes. I did the things, but some way I stopped doing it. I don't know how to get back at it. And what I want to offer you is the top-down regulation that you provided to yourself was you placed an obstacle. You did the equivalent of placing a rock, a boulder, in the old way you used to do things, the old pathway you used to do things. You placed a boulder, an obstacle. You awkwardly worked your way around until it became the new way you did things. And then you just kept running it. And then one day you went on vacation and you removed the boulder. And you went back to the old way that you did it. Okay, this is just the way the brain works. It's just how it happens. There's nothing magical in your head. You forget the hard, awkward part of going around the boulder. That's why you're like, I don't know how this works. Okay, in your head, you forget how difficult and awkward it was to have that new obstacle there and work your way around. You believe it serendipitously fell from heaven and suddenly made you behave differently. And that's not how it works. <laughs> so recognize. All that it was, was you gave yourself an obstacle. Fixing these behaviors requires slowing down and becoming aware of what is happening. When I coach women on this, we slow down. I reflect to them what they're describing. It should be easier. It shouldn't be this hard. It wasn't this hard the first time, even though I coached them through the first time. And I know good and well, it was that hard for them. Your brain forgets that. You think you're just describing a desire for ice cream or a desire to stay in bed. I reflect that you're expecting it to be easier. You're expecting your brain to want the salad as much as it wants the ice cream. You're expecting your brain to want the exercise as much as it wants to stay in bed. In coaching, we just explained that this isn't going to happen. You have to engage that top-down behavior. And then you have to engage that top-down behavior again before you learn a new neural groove, a new neural pathway to doing this behavior. If you take a break from it, you're going to have to do it again. Just like the dog is going to go back to that old groove, you're going to go back to your old groove. The top-down top obstacle has to be placed over and over and over again for you to start running that new neural groove again. Okay, so what does this look like? It looks like you just placed an obstacle. I'm just not eating the ice cream today. I'm not doing it. It's a solid no. I'm not arguing with myself. I'm not even arguing about what I want it. And I'm certainly not going to wait until I don't want the ice cream or until I want the salad more than the ice cream because that's never going to happen. How do you do it with exercise? Today I'm getting up and exercising. I don't care if I sleep 30 minutes the night before. Today I'm getting up and exercising. I will make up for it tomorrow if I need to. I am getting up and exercising, period, end of sentence. My brain is going to offer me to stay in bed and I'm going to say no thank you. You don't tell yourself, I'm going to wait until I want to exercise as much as I want to stay in bed because you know that's never going to happen. Okay? Overcoming an obstacle is a decision. It's nothing more than that. That's what we work on in coaching. If these are the kinds of things that you know you like are really struggling with, send me a message, delane at delanemd.com. We will set up a 45-minute reverse your diabetes assessment call. You can see what that obstacle is and why you haven't been able to overcome it. And we can talk about how we can work together so that you can start practicing these top-down 
regulations, behavioral regulations, so that you can learn a new way to do it, reverse your diabetes, and put it behind you. I hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to put it in the chat. I will be back next week, and I'll talk to you then.